they're like, this will be a spectacle unlike you've ever seen where technology, stage lighting, performance all come together. And I look at my wife and I go, this is either going to be the coolest show we've ever seen or this is going to be the biggest flop of our lives. (laughs) It was one of those two. everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel and Sam after some technical difficulties this morning in the green room we have gotten you set up and uh welcome aboard why thank you Brian I am happy to be here super excited for today's guest cuz he is a repeat guest but I'm a little disappointed in him and we'll we'll let you know that once we get to the show topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I want to start by echoing my excitement for this guest. Still one of my favorite show openings uh, on the show to go back and listen to his episode. But we start by welcoming Josh back to our show. Welcome, Josh. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I'm very excited to be here. I, I will say, I think you guys have hyped me up too much over some recent <laughs> episodes. So I'm like, man, if I don't perform, the people are going to revolt. I'll never be welcome back. And so anyway, the pressure's on. Uh, but I think I'm going to step up to the plate. All right. right. Excited, cool. but but I wanted to start by so Sam was going to rail you with a bit of disappointment. I Sam, I think I think we're giving Josh a complaint. He sent some notes over ahead of the show <laughs> about his next cruise and how nervous he is to retry the truffle percets. I think based on the amount of pressure you have applied to him and his his first review of the truffle percets. So I think there needs to be a moment of healing here, Sam, and you need to you need to acknowledge that it's okay for Josh to not like the truffle percets. Hey, I I was actually the first to acknowledge that that on the show that Josh was on, okay? (laughs) I actually did acknowledge that, one, if they weren't served hot, they probably weren't as good. And two, you know, be different different flavors, different strokes for different folks, right? That's what they say. But he also hasn't been on The Wish yet. And I feel like once you go on The Wish, Josh, you're going to be like, oh my God, they totally upped their game with the food. So, which they I'm, did. I'm excited for that. and uh, But I am nervous about my waiter on our next cruise. When I, when I tell him I need the black truffle percets, I need them warm. They have to be good. Your, <laughs> your livelihood is on the line here, sir. So man, Your you tip know. is on the line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether or not I give you a five, a four, or a three, this is what it all depends on. Those poor go. waiters. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about a Disney cruise. We're here to talk about a Royal Caribbean cruise. Which is where my disappointment stems from. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or Sam's shadow of judgment it crosses I'm across. I'm sad too, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad too. <laughs> Josh, remind folks. As to your cruising background, uh, both with Disney and with other ships. Yeah. So my cruising background, I went on my first cruise a year ago in September. My wife and I went on uh, two cruises back to back. The first was on Royal Caribbean for three night. And then the second was on the Disney uh, Dream for a four night cruise. I knew I was going to love cruising before we went on those cruises. And and part of your podcast was part of the reason I knew I was going to love it. And then afterwards, I basically realized I have an addiction and now I'm going all in. And so this was our third cruise and this one, my whole family joined us. And just in case anyone's worried, I do have a Disney cruise booked a month from today and I'm pretty excited about it. So Awesome. What ship is that on? 
And where? That's going to be on the Wonder out of San Diego. San Diego, yes. <laughs> well, if anyone wants to go back and hear, we had Josh on for the first time uh, in an episode that I still love because it was like pitting Royal Caribbean against Disney Cruise Line in real time because you literally walked from one ship to the other, it felt like. So you can head back in our catalog, episode 149, still still near and dear to my heart. That was a great episode. So, But let's talk sailing to Alaska, Josh. And I have to start with, you, you were helpful and sent over a bunch of topics that you wanted to cover. And I got to start with the very first one you gave me, which was you had to convince your family to try cruising for the first time. And so how much arm twisting was involved? Oh, man, the arm twisting is ridiculous. I mean, um, so it's my side of the family. So uh, my family's not very big. I just have my parents and then my sister and brother-in-law. And my parents, we didn't vacation a ton growing up. My parents have both worked really hard. And so they've done very well for themselves, but just struggle to like go on vacation. And so I literally, after going on our cruises, told my family, cruises are great. Like you get to relax. You don't have to plan anything. All your food is taken care of. And my parents kind of looked at me like, I don't, I don't know if it's for us. And, and so eventually I sat them down. I'm not joking. So this might be advice for somebody else trying to convince your parents. I said, mom and dad, the, the problem we have is when, whenever you die, I don't want you to die, but I'm going to get an inheritance. And so your money is going to go towards a cruise for a bigger group of people. So either you can choose to be on it or I can take my grandkids in the future. And um, <laughs> my, my dad kind of looked at me and he's a stubborn guy and he's like, well, I don't know. And then the next day my mom calls and goes, well, we're booking a cruise. So <laughs> nice. So they, had they not had they not cruised at all before this was their first cruise ever? So my parents have gone on one three-night cruise on Carnival out of Los Angeles. And surprise, it was terrible. <laughs> and uh, my sister and brother-in-law have never cruised. So basically, I, I consider zero cruising experience. Well, Josh, you are in our backyard here in Seattle. And so you have you know achievement unlocked on your end because, man, do I want to sail a cruise right out of my, my home city. What was that like as compared to your last cruise when you had to go all the way to Port Canal? Yeah, it's so much easier to wake up in the morning and then drive right to the cruise port. And because my sister and brother-in-law live in Everett, which is just like 45 minutes north of Seattle, and we're an hour and a half north, we, we knew enough people that we were able to get rides to the cruise port and get dropped off. So it's like, that was super easy. Yeah, it's just really nice to wake up, not have to worry about showing up a day early, not needing to feel like I need to go and explore Seattle and check all the things off my box. So very, <laughs> very convenient. And you picked Alaska. Was that your decision or was it uh, your parents or like... How'd you guys land on Alaska and how'd you land on Royal? Was it just your prior experience with Royal or did you look at some of the other lines too? Such a good question. I, I was thinking to myself, if I was going to get my parents on a cruise, it would have to be at the lowest or near lowest price for a good experience. And so when I was looking at Royal Caribbean, it was about $900 a person for a seven night cruise. And that's in like a balcony. And I knew coming out of um, Seattle that you would you know, not have to pay anything for parking or airfare or hotels the day before. And so I think I kind of prompted them of, hey, if you're going to try cruising, Alaska is a lot of people's bucket list destination. We've never been to Alaska as a family. Um, and Royal Caribbean was the right price. And we had a, we really had a good experience on our cruise out of Port Canaveral on Royal. And so my wife and I both thought, 
hey, you know what? We're going to take our kids for their first cruise. And then for my family, I think they're going to enjoy the immense activities, maybe maybe more than a Princess Cruise Line or somebody else. And I and honestly, my mom and, and me and my wife, we all wanted to go on a Disney cruise. But the price difference... Uh, and I'm not exaggerating, it was two or two and a half or three times the price of the Royal one. And I just knew that that wasn't going to float for my parents. So it, it was a good deal. But even looking ahead to the next season, I mean, we did the second week of August, which is, as you guys know, living in the area, almost guaranteed to have decent weather. And, and that price stands for uh, balconies, at least closely enough. So yeah, I, again, I'd encourage people shop around sometimes, but maybe you won't shop around for a Royal Caribbean cruise to Alaska after you hear more about my cruising experience. Uh-oh. Oh my. Uh-oh. Oh my. All right. Well, before before we get there, uh, let's talk about who was with you. You've mentioned your parents. You've mentioned your brother-in-law? The kids. And the kids. Well, I want to yeah. know, what's the party? What's the sailing party here, Josh? Yeah. So eight of us total. So um, I'll, I'll cover who is there in the room types too. So my, uh, my parents were in a balcony. My sister and brother-in-law were in a balcony. And then my wife and I, we brought our two kids. Our son is five, our daughter is two. And we decided to forego a balcony and get two interior rooms that were adjoining, which man, that was so much nicer than being all in one room, having an adjoining door. And um, the price was about the same. So yeah. And for our kids, it was each their first cruise. Similar to Disney, our daughter couldn't go in the kids club. She had to go in the nursery, which was like an additional cost. But they, yeah, they both loved it and were very excited leading up to it. And now talk about how much they love cruising. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really consider interior for Alaska because they, you know, want to be able to see the sights from their room. But you've got you had family that you were sailing with and some of them had verandas, right? So you could take advantage of their verandas without having the price tag on your account, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that when you're going to look at the views, whether it be in the morning or in the middle of the day, uh, there's so many times where you're f- sw- swapping sides because there's whales on one side or the hills or mount- uh, I call them hills, other people call them mountains are on the other side. <laughs> and so it's really nice to be able to go up to the top decks and be able to look at both sides at the same time. There, But obviously having a balcony half the time, you know, my parents and sister and brother-in-law, they had a great view that they could sit and enjoy coffee or whatever from their room. Well, I wanted to ask a little bit more about something you mentioned about the rooms, which is you had interior adjoining staterooms. That's something they don't have on Disney Cruise Line, I don't believe. How was that set up? Yeah, it was very much like the Disney family verandas, whereas there's a shared door right by the entrance or or the entrance to your cabin. And it was great. Their interior cabins, this ship was built in 2014. And so they have huge TV screens that are put behind curtains that give a virtual view. So it's like the virtual porthole for Disney, but it's really big and high quality. Um, And so though it was an interior room, it was the exact layout as the balcony rooms, except with that virtual view. So it, it was really nice having our kids in that other room with an adjoining door. We could close that door when they go to bed. And so then we could have time to talk or watch a show or our family could come and stay in our room so that we could go out for the evening, which was super convenient. So Josh, how was the booking process with Royal and all of the kind of pre-cruise things? You know, in Disney, we're used to a very regimented marching forward of booking the sailing, paying the sailing, booking your activities, checking in. How was it on the Royal side? Was it organized and efficient or yeah, how was that whole process? 
it was organized, efficient. It was very similar to the Disney experience. And we, we experienced that as well going out of uh, Port Canaveral. So yeah, we just use the app. Their app is very good. You can look at the ship. You can plan your excursions. I think you can even plan some onboard activities. There wasn't a ton though, not like what Disney does. So overall, it was really great. We scheduled our port arrival time and as as a I, I I won't call myself seasoned, but as somebody in the know, you know, we got a earliest port arrival time so we could beat the crowds and and get in. So yeah, everything was smoothless, smoothless, seamless, smoothless, seamless, smoothless. I like it. Were you able to get all of the excursions or act, other activities that you wanted, or did it seem to have you know somewhat limited offerings? Because we booked so early, we booked in, I think, December for a August cruise. We had the opportunity to go on any excursion, I think, that we wanted to. Was it kind of book as you go? Like I've heard before that some of these cruise lines like Royal. So we had a Royal Caribbean cruise book to the Caribbean. And like we could have been booking you know, cabanas and things as far as a year out as they became available. It wasn't like a... They open it on a specific day and then everyone rushes to go get it done. Um, so it sounds like you could kind of book things along the way, Josh, if I'm hearing you right. Yeah. And I'm the type of person that I, I check the cruise app like every day or every other day, even though I like know what's already available just to see if anything pops up new. Um, so for me, I did see at times stuff came on a little later at different times. You know, you mentioned part of the choice around Royal was the cruise fair. I may, perhaps I want to preempt the finale conversation or the final question we might have for you, but how much was included within the fair versus what you may have then spent adding things on pre-cruise? Like, you know, did you buy drink packages and things like that ahead of time? Yeah. So they have um, drink packages, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, which include like smoothies and stuff, or just like a soda package. And so my wife and I got the soda package. We're big sparkling water fans, you know, uh, we're like that. And so I can't remember, I think it was like six bucks a day or something. So it's $40 for the cruise or, and, and that was worth it for us. Other than that, you can pre-book specialty dining because they do have a lot of specialty dining um, from Izumi's, which is like a sushi, or they also, I, it's it's like, um, oh, I forget what it's called. Benihana is like that one. Yeah. Hibachi. Yeah. Hibachi. And they, they have a steakhouse. They have a Jamie's Italian place. So there is a lot of specialty dining. We kind of debated doing some specialty dining, but all of us landed on not doing any specialty dining and just going the main dining and buffet and some of the other small, uh, I would say, buffet-esque places to get lunch or breakfast. And some of the dining does look really good, but... Yeah, there was the kids involved and it was just also weighing of like, man, is that worth it for this trip or would I rather be in the dining room with my family, which is a unique opportunity that we have when I can spend the same amount of money at home to arguably get some better food or equivalent food. So yeah, that's always at play. Now for sailing with such young kids, how did you guys plan for things like I don't know, diapers, uh, crib, that sort of thing in advance of the cruise or how much information was available to you about what Royal could provide? Yeah. And we knew enough to know our, we're, we're very lucky. Our daughter is, she'll be three in December. So she's potty trained. So that was taken care of. We're debating between asking Royal to have a pack and play for her in her room. Um, but we're like, you know what? We're driving from home. It's easy just to throw it in and we don't have to carry it around because they deliver it right to the room. Um, so we decided to bring our own pack and play on, only then later hearing. And we had heard that, but 
Royal Caribbean was like, we have tons of pack and plays, you know, next time just tell us and we can get it ready for you. And then we did have like a shortage of pull-ups for our daughter. And when we took her into the nursery, they, my wife's like, Hey, do you by chance have like two extra pull-ups? And they're like, Oh yeah, take as many as you need. So they were, they had anything we would need on top of what we brought. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's really nice. How was the boarding process overall? Josh, it sounds very efficient. You mentioned getting through all the security and check-in and all that sort of stuff. Like we've heard some cruise lines, you might experience long lines, that sort of thing. But how was it for sailing out of Seattle on Royal? Yeah, Seattle set up for two ships to be in at the same time. At least that was my understanding. The day we boarded, there was only the one that we were going on Royal Caribbean. I'd seen some vlogs of people and it looked like it was just tons of people zigzagging lines everywhere. And so for us, we had an early port arrival time. I told my parents and, and my, my sister and brother-in-law, like, show up a half hour before our port arrival time. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. And it was. There was very few people. I would say it was 20 minutes tops from being dropped off from the car to being on the ship. Oh, fantastic. That's an amazing boarding experience. Were you at the downtown cruise terminal right on the waterfront or are you at the cruise terminal that was a little bit outside of downtown? Because Seattle has two spots where you can board. It was the one a little bit out of downtown, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, for listeners out there, just know if you're sailing out of Seattle, they do have cruise ships that dock right up against downtown. I mean, literally you're walking off the ship and stepping onto Seattle waterfront and can walk a rather steep hill and be in downtown Seattle. But they also built many years ago now a bespoke cruise terminal uh, just outside of downtown that, as Josh mentioned, it, it can handle two ships in port at a time. And beautiful when you're flying into the city, they usually bank right over the cruise terminal. And sometimes you can see cruise ships in the summer kind of backing out and heading off to Alaska. So it's a, it's a nice little cruise terminal that they've built over there, but it is further from downtown. So as you're thinking about and planning an Alaska cruise out of Seattle, just be aware of which terminal you're going out of because some of them you might be able to just walk across and get on your ship and some of them you're, you're going to need a cab. It's not be within walking distance of downtown to uh, to schlep your luggage. So, Josh, you get onto the ship. This is your first time on getting onto this ship, the Quantum. Uh, tell us what your impressions were of the ship as you boarded and obviously walked around to explore your new home for that week. Yeah, getting on, it was the ship was quite large, and coming from the the Dream, which we had been on before, this ship holds nearly 4,200 passengers plus 1,500 crew. So it was very big. And the promenade that they have is very, very much feels like a mall. In fact, when we walked on and had to go to our muster station, our son Eli was like, whoa, this is the coolest mall I've ever seen. We're like, oh, it's a cruise ship. <laughs> the ship was very big, but the the finishes and everywhere we went and looked felt very new. Um, now, again, it was built in 2000. 14 or it was its first sailings were 2014. So it's not that new, but it felt new um, compared to the Dream and then the other Royal Caribbean ship that we were on. And the first Royal Caribbean ship we were on, I think it was Mariners of the Sea. It's an older ship. They had updated some things, um, but this ship felt very pristine um, in all areas. So was it overwhelming? Um, you know, I am such a pre vacation or pre-trip planner that it was not overwhelming for me. And I even passed along um, ship tour videos to uh, my family so that it wouldn't be over overwhelming for them either. And I tell you what, when you can through somebody else's eyes, see the ins and out of a ship and how to know where you're at or what direction to go, it, it makes it for me, it makes me have an easier time to relax and enjoy the whole experience. 
Did you show some of those YouTube videos to the kids in advance of sailing? I know that um, we've had several guests on who have said that, you know, rather than having everything be a surprise for their kids, they want to sort of prep their kids. And some kids need this. And I think some kids don't need this. So I think it's kind of a, you know, you know your kids best. But did you show them any of those videos ahead of time to show them where they'd be going or what they'd be seeing? Yeah. And we, I don't know, I, I can't remember if it was from your guys' podcast or another source, but um, somebody told us, hey, if you're going to go on a cruise, show your kids where you're going to go. And so before we went on our, just my wife and I, we showed our kids what cruise ships we were going to be on and what they look like. And so that made it so when we called our son, he was like, oh, did you go to the Mickey pool or did you, you know, did you go to this show? And so we did the same thing for this cruise and it, it made them more excited for things like all you can eat ice cream or this pool had a kids wave pool zone. And so our son just kept saying, when can I go to the wave pool? Yeah. So they, that, that really helped them to visualize what they were walking into. Had you given any thought to sort of the timing of when to bring her on a cruise? Because one of the things I think a lot of people forget when they're looking at a cruise and they have really young kids is if they're not potty trained, they can't go in the pool. And so then you've got to make sure there's like a splash zone or something else that is open to them. But had you guys you know, considered that fact when you were booking or was she already potty trained when you were booking, which is you know obviously months in advance of the actual cruise? You know, we, she was not when we booked and it was, it was one of those things where we felt like we're going to roll with the punches. However, it comes out. I would encourage anybody. Yeah. If you if your child is not potty trained, it will just, there will, some things will be more challenging overall too. I think in hindsight, if it was me choosing the vacation and instead of going with my family, I would wait until after three so that she could go in the older kids clubs that don't have an additional fee. And along with that as well, our son is five and he had a hard time in the kids clubs at times. And we tried really hard not to push too much, but also to encourage. I, I could be wrong, but hearing through you guys, through Nathan too, it seems like seven, eight years old is the sweet spot that they're ready to, you know, they've been in school all day for weeks at a time. They're, they're okay with mom and dad not being around and doing fun activities with other kids. And so I, to me, might be worth it to wait a little bit longer, but we made the best of it. And, and we, I will say we lucked out with our daughter really enjoying all, everything that she did. So. so let's talk about the things that you guys did on board. What kinds of activities did you all get up to as a family? What kinds of things were you able to do on board that perhaps did not involve the kids? And then obviously we, we, you're in Alaska, so we're going to have to talk about ports. But I guess let's focus on stuff on board first before we get to, you know, obviously the the highlights, which are usually the ports in Alaska. Royal Caribbean does a really good job with activities, especially thinking about the whole family. I would argue they are really tailored towards like a middle school or high schooler in that um, our ship had, they had an outdoor pool, but they also had an indoor pool. And so that was really nice with going up to Alaska. And then they had a whole sports court enclosed area that around the perimeter they had they had your foosballs, they had your air hockey, they had uh, a little arcade. Uh, but along with that, they also had Xboxes. And then throughout the day, they would have either sports tournaments. So they would do a three on three basketball tournament. They would have pickleball tournaments in the morning. And then at certain times and days, that 
sports court would turn into bumper cars, uh, which our son did with my dad and with me and my wife, like, and just love the bumper cars, or they would turn it into laser tag. And so he was old enough to do laser tag. And it was a very high tech system. And that was super cool. Outside of that, though, they have a rock climbing wall, which I enjoyed and felt very, very weak. And like I had no physical ability at all. They also have a flow rider, which is like a wave simulator. And I had done the boogie boarding of that when I was in um, the Caribbean. Um, But this time I tried the surfing. And again, I feel like somebody who's I'm into like board sports and mountain biking and I have balance. But man, was that a humbling experience in front of a bunch of grown adults who went before me and did it perfectly. And then I get up there thinking, I'm going to be hot stuff. And uh, hot stuff hit his face very, very hard the first time on the ground. So. <laughs> God, I have I have no faith that Brian or I would be. If you can do it, Josh, with your mountain biking skills, and- you, you'd probably do great because you're you're not prideful and thinking you're going to do great. I think that's how life works. Right? <laughs> this is the this is the flow rider, which everyone's always talking about. Like you just do, do they give you lessons or something to help you, uh, or do they just give you a board and say there's the there's the wave? They they walk you through everything. So you have to start on the boogie board and they coach you and how to get on and how to have a good time. And then they coach you through how to get to the next step. So uh, basically you have to master the boogie board before you can try the surfboard. And so walking in all cocky, I'm like, I already already mastered the boogie board in the last cruise. They didn't have surfing on the last one or else I would have told them, I'll probably be great at this. So let me do it, right? This one, this one, they did have the surfing. So once you, once you prove that you were good at that, then you could try. And they did give you tips and advice. And I just didn't do that. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to the bumper cars. So let me phrase the question a little bit differently here. Talk to us about the use of space on the ship and the pool decks, because with all of these activities, it's a lot of dedicated space that gets eaten up on the ship. But is the ship just large enough to accommodate that? And you can still just hang out on the pool deck pretty freely and have a great spot? Yeah, the ship is just very big. And the the sports court slash multi-purpose area is where they had the laser tag, the bumper cars. And then when those were not there, that was the two basketball courts, basically, that, that took up that space. So they designed the ship very well to be multi-purpose and feel like there's always enough space. One, one other activity they have, they have something called the North Star, which is basically like a enclosed cherry picker. So you can walk in there and it goes up and you can see a view from a higher viewpoint. And so, and they have a skydiving simulator. And with those two things, the North Star and the skydiving simulator, those are free at certain time frames. So right when you get on the ship, it's good to book those. But they also have extended times or an extended experience that you can pay for. So the activities are are endless on a Royal Caribbean ship. Did you feel like, you know, we hear sometimes people saying that you get nickel and dimed on on Royal because there are things that are included and there and there's a lot of we'll call them hidden costs. So they might not be hidden if you do your research like you do, Josh, but did you feel like you were being nickel and dimed while you were on the ship in that these activities were so enticing that of course you would pay the extra to you know, to do them. Yeah, I I would agree with the the sense of nickel and diming in that 
market very well. Hey, we have our main dining, but we have all these other dining venues that are additional prices. You can go do the flow rider and wait in line. But if you want to do it without a longer line, you can pay a special price for a separate time. So yeah, I would say if you do your research, it doesn't feel like nickel and diming because I just knew, oh, all these things, they have free options and they're pretty good if you're a planner, but somebody could feel like everything I want to do in every corner I make, try to getting pulled for some more money. Well, and if you want to do all these things and you don't plan them ahead, right? Like you might have to, the only way you might be able to do it is the, the those paid options. But if you plan ahead, you know, you probably can do a lot of that stuff for free. Yeah. And, and being, it, it sounds funny, but like being devoted to like Disney parks, my wife and I and our family too, um, Disneyland and go, taking trips to Florida, you just learn. And it, it, it applies to so many other vacations of like, you have to do your research. And when things open, you need to be there 15 minutes early. And for some people that can feel stressful or, or like an additional burden. But for me, I realized this is going to unlock the best experience in a situation. And so that helps a ton with all those activities I just mentioned, showing up right when they open, being ready to go. And it, it just makes it a lot more enjoyable. I'm curious. So, you know, we just got back from Europe not too long ago and we were on the Magic and, you know, the Magic has activities and water slides and pools and stuff like that. Nowhere near what Royal has. But as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking didn't really wasn't really terrible to be on the Magic because we were in Europe and really you want to see the scenery and go to the ports and do things off the ship. Like that's the attraction. How was it balancing all of these onboard activities as against you're headed to Alaska? Alaska's got great scenery, great port excursions, uh, great little towns to visit. Did you did you feel like you needed all the stuff on the ship or that really Alaska was the star of the show? Such a good question, Brian. Alaska is very much the star on your port days. And so all those activities became fun for us or a priority on um, the two um, sea days that we had. And so it, it didn't feel like it was hard to manage because we could check off all the boxes on the sea days. And not only that, our last stop was in Victoria and it w- we didn't get in until like 5 p.m. So that's arguably a sea day until 5. And so to be honest, even though I listed off all those things, we ran out of things to do. Uh, I won't say quickly, but after the first sea day, it was kind of like, yeah, I've done everything that I wanted to do. I might do one or two more things, but I've kind of got my fill of the activities on the ship. Do they have any organized activities? Like I think about Disney, you know, when you're done with the water slide and that sort of thing, you know, there's trivias and cooking demonstrations and game shows and stuff like that. Did they have a lot of that kind of planned activity on board? Yes, they had they had trivias, and um, my wife even went and did a mixology class that was awesome, and she did that with my brother and sister in law while I watched the kids, and that turned out to be really good. And of course, I'm the one who found it because I'm the one who's doing the research right, and being planning. like, <laughs> "Yeah, how do we make this fun?" But the the interesting thing is, and this is such an important topic too looking at the time we spent on the ship. So knowing when you get off on any cruise ship, it's all about the port excursions or the location that you're experiencing. The time on the ship after I would say three or four days in, I was longing to be on a Disney ship. And I think the reason being is because they have an abundance of 
trivia, and it's all around topics that I really enjoy, which is Disney topics. The two other things that really stood out to me, there wasn't a movie theater on this cruise ship. They did play like one or two movies, but they played it in a two-story bar space. It was a terrible setup. My, my parents went and watched a movie there and they're like, oh, it was awful. And so not having a place to go and watch a movie if you wanted to. And the other thing, they didn't have on-demand movies in your room. It's those little things. And again, it, I'm not a guy who likes to veg out um, on my day-to-day and watch movies all the time. But on vacation, I really like to go you know, into the theaters on a Disney ship or you know, watch The Parent Trap over and over again with my wife. I love that movie <laughs> in our room. But we didn't have that option. And so while there were activities, there was not as many as a Disney cruise ship. And I felt like I wished I was on a Disney cruise ship for the sea days. And because the cruise was so long and we didn't have as many activities, I longed to be on a a Disney ship. Oh, interesting. Well, and both of your first two cruises were short. So this is an interesting perspective because you really liked your Royal Caribbean cruise. If, you know, I hope I'm not mischaracterizing what you, you know, what we talked about on our last show, but I feel like you liked both cruises and they both had their pluses and they both had their minuses. But I feel like you thought the value was quite good on, you know, on Royal. And so it's interesting to see that perspective maybe shift a little bit when it's a longer cruise. Am I, do you think I'm, I'm characterizing that correctly? You, you nailed it, Sam. And that was, yeah, I'll talk about it more because you'll hear more details and the listeners will too about what I liked and didn't like about this cruise. But at the end of it all, I, I said to my wife, if we're going to do a short cruise, I would choose Royal Caribbean, especially like the three night that we did. We each full day, we were in a port. So we were in Nassau. We knew it wasn't great, but we hadn't been there before. So we kind of enjoyed the ship and felt like we got our fill of that. And then we were, we were in, I was about to say Castaway Key, but that would be such an insult to them because they're so much better. We were in uh, Coco Key. Coco Key, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've connected on we'll that, Sam. I still that got your back. We'll get into that controversy again. Yeah. 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 Still got your back. Um, but we were in Coco <laughs> Key. So they're, they're, because we were in the ports, we were spending less time on the ship. And so for us, that shorter amount of time, I felt like the Royal Caribbean was at par or just, uh, I wouldn't say it was at par at Disney. It was below Disney, but close enough that for the price difference, 100% worth it. With the longer duration, I personally would not, I, I'll go on any cruise at this point. I'm, I'm cruiser for life now. But if I'm going to choose it, I will pay the extra money and try to find a deal and go on Disney because I enjoy just being on the ship so much more on a Disney cruise. Well, I feel like we need to talk a little bit about the ports because obviously, like we said, in Alaska, that's the star. Let's let's talk about the ports and the excursions that you guys did or or, or didn't do if you you know decided to explore on your own. There's obviously so much to do. I'm sure you had had to pick your excursions uh, in part based on the ages of your kids, because there are some excursions that are limited to, you know, limited by age. But yeah, let's talk about where you went and, and what you did. Yeah. And I will preface this by saying for the listeners here, your listeners are from all around the country. I am very blessed and Brian and Sam are as well to live in the Pacific Northwest in the most Northwest corner of Washington state of the lower 48. And we also live on Puget Sound. 
So when going on a trip to Alaska, you're going a little further north, but you're still connected to the ocean. And there's a lot of similar wildlife and not just that, but excursions are things that I grew up doing or I could do in my backyard and they might arguably be better. So (laughs) before we went on our cruise, we asked um, some family friends and other family members who had done an Alaska cruise who lived in Washington state, what they would recommend. And the feedback we got in droves was because you live in Washington, it's probably not worth it to do any excursion unless you want to do a helicopter excursion where you're going to look over a glacier because we don't have that here. Or if you could do a point-to-point cruise and stay there and go check out the Denali uh, National Park or whatever it's called, then that would be worth it. Otherwise, things like the log shows here in Bellingham, we have like a super famous log show that's awesome. (laughs) Fish fries. I've grown up with fresh sockeye salmon because my wife's grandpa catches them a couple miles from here in, in like the freshest way possible. And so going to a fish fry or a fish bake, that salmon is is not going to be the quality that I'm used to. It'll still be good, um, but I just... <laughs> I've grown up in abundance of it. And so with that in mind, we decided for each port to not pursue any excursions and instead just enjoy the port itself. So I I give that that preface. And I, I feel like after going on the full cruise, I feel like I chose correctly. And somebody may have done the same thing I did and grew up in Washington state and feel like they missed out. But that being said, if I was from Florida or the Midwest, or not familiar with the Pacific Coast or the Pacific Northwest, I would encourage anybody to do the log shows, do the salmon bakes, do the excursions, because I think it would be very much worth it for somebody who doesn't live in the area. Now I'm thinking we need to come up to Bellingham and do that log show, though. So because we've never done a log show, I'm going to be honest with you, Josh. And so I kind of feel like we need to do that, Brian. Let's do it. (laughs) it's in august every year bring nathan up you guys would have a great time i think it's so it's just so interesting to hear that you decided not to do the excursions i do feel like the excursions that I think would be the stars of the show would be tough for you well, though. With some of them, he wouldn't even be able to do. So that's what like, I'm saying. For, yeah, that's what I'm not saying. Even it would be tough, tough to do. You wouldn't even you wouldn't be able to at all. Like there's the the dog sledding one is a good example. There is an age limit on dog sledding one. Doesn't matter what cruise line you're on, and so that's not one that you. And I'm not sure you could even do the helicopter one. That might have an age limit as well. I mean, those are the two big ones that I want to do. The helicopter one, which obviously to see the glaciers, but yeah, I think the the dog sledding is one we can't do. We don't have dog sledding here in Washington. So, you know, I got to do that. <laughs> I got to see, I got to visit the puppies. <laughs> and, and, and again, I really need to like put on and put out very directly. I am very blessed that I've had many experiences in my life that most people just can't do. And so because of that, the things that are available to tourists on a cruise ship for a single day just don't draw me in. And, and like one example, I I have flown on a seaplane leaving from the Seattle area to go up to remote Canada before. I've grown up with um, glaciers nearby or ice caves and explored those as a kid. I've seen the salmon running 
swimming upstream in salmon ladders multiple times throughout my whole life. I often find myself up in the mountains, covered in snow, in picturesque scenery, um, staying up there for multiple days. And so for me, some of those things that for the average person are once in a lifetime, uh, again, I've just grown up doing. And so I want to be clear I totally understand your guys's feelings of like, oh, like, you know, aren't those things, don't you want to go on a helicopter yeah. ride over <laughs> a glacier? And I go, well, you know, I, I'd probably rather go in like Hawaii or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like I've kind of done that. And, and I'm, I'm, and again, I would rather go on a mountain bike down a crazy trail that the only way to fully experience that is to do that. Whereas for me personally, I'm like, I could watch a video of somebody else in a helicopter and I know it's not the same thing. So don't crucify me. <laughs> right? but I'd be fine with the video. So that's just where I'm at. Listen, you know, it's Josh, every time we have you on now, it's, there's going to be something controversial. This might be, this might be the one for this show. <laughs> yes. But yeah. I think what we need to tell people is please don't move to the Pacific Northwest. We have plenty of people here. I know Josh is telling you a, a bill of goods about how awesome it is to live here, you know, but we have all this darkness so much of the year. You don't want to live here. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a terrible place to live. I'm, I'm trying to get out of it. I promise. I'm trying to leave really quickly. Yeah. Well, Josh, let's talk about the ports. You, you went to Ketchikan, Sitka, Juneau, Victoria. I agree with you, by the way, Victoria, they always give short shrift to Victoria. For all of our listeners out there, if you can find a cruise itinerary, which Disney does a few and the other cruise lines do a few that actually give you some real meaningful time in Victoria. It is a beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah, the visit. gardens, the Bouchard Gardens are well, beautiful. And just the downtown harbor area. You can just walk around. They've got a, yeah. a beautiful hotel there. The Victoria Hotel, I believe it is. No, the Empress. The, the Empress, Empress, the Empress uh, Hotel that does a fabulous tea service. Like So great little city to visit if you get time there. But let's back up. Catch a can, Josh. What do you think of Catch a Can? Yeah. So Ketchikan was our first stop and they have the uh, boardwalk shops is selling it short. Um, it's a really small boardwalk right on a river. The time we were going, the salmon were running super strong. There were seals right in the river as well. And so you could see hundreds of salmon. You could see the seals chasing after them and eating them. You could also unfortunately see the dead salmon because salmon go upstream, they lay their eggs and then they come back down and die in the process. Um, that's the circle of life, Lion King reference there. But uh, the shop experience was very cool. A lot of the shops had your typical tourist fare, but there were some really cool ones where you could go and hold a nugget of gold that's worth $10,000, or you could learn about the history of Alaska. And when you when you pull back the curtain, pun definitely intended on that one, you find out these little towns are really just for fishermen to come and um, enjoy themselves and drink and in uh, promiscuous activities. And we'll stop there. <laughs> but that whole area was really cool. We decided to walk quite, a, we ended up walking like probably three miles. We went to the grocery store because we needed to grab some additional um, like snacks for our kids. But we also saw they have a ton of bars and the, the, the bar scene there, at least for people who are beer drinkers, was awesome. Most of the bars had specials of like three or four dollar uh, drafts and they didn't include tax or anything. They're like, yeah, we just eat that. We just really want it to be a good tourist experience. And so me, my dad, my sister and my brother-in-law, after we did our morning shopping, um, we all went back on the ship and had lunch and then we went back out and I think we went to three or four different brewer. We went to a local small brewery that had really good high-end beer and then we went to more um, like dive bars and it was a really fun experience. Like we had a really good time popping around in the 
those. Cool. And was everything like walking distance to the port? Like, because I, I think, I don't know, I've never been to Ketchikan, but the port is like right in the city, right? You don't have to like take a bus from industrial area or something like that, do you? Nope. It's all right there, which is very convenient. And Ketchikan's small. Like, it's not it's not a huge city. Well, right? I know. When I say city, I yeah, that's probably a mischaracterization. Village or town might be a problem, <laughs> yeah. uh, better denominator, I think. But Josh would know better than we would. <laughs> yeah. Of the three places we visited, it was like a medium size. So it wasn't as big as Juno, but it was not as small as Sitka, which, yeah. So that was really Ketchikan. I, I don't have too much else to say there, but Sitka was the next stop that we did. And that was our favorite port in droves. It was just beautiful. And I should also mention, they let us know that on our sea days, on all of our port days, and then our sea day back, they had never seen weather that good the whole cruise season before we went. We had, Brian and Sam will understand, sunny skies, highs of 63. It was perfect weather. My favorite thing, and you guys will get a kick out of this, I loved seeing people coming off the cruise ships in the ports with head to toe, brand new gear from REI with hiking boots <laughs> and zippered pants and their flannel shirts and their big bucket hats. And then they're walking around on pavement looking like they're ready for an adventure adventure and not going anywhere. And that just made my day every day. Yeah. That's hilarious. But our second stop was Sitka and Sitka, you you show up at a terminal and they have to bus you into the area that you'll go and explore. And so I, I believe every cruise ship docks in there and it's about a 15 minute bus ride and it's free and they're, they're set up for it. And that bus ride was really, really cool because the bus driver was kind of a tour guide and we had two different ones uh, on the way there and on the way back. And they were both delightful to tell you more about Sitka, to tell you more about the wildlife. I'm, I'm trying to remember correctly Sitka. Uh, it was Juno that had the eagles on the ride, which I'll talk about when I talk about Juno. But Sitka was very much a smaller town feel. And so where, where you get dropped off, you can go one of two ways. And basically one direction takes you where you can walk in both directions. And it takes you to where the salmon are swimming up a salmon ladder. And again, they were running really hard that day, which was really cool. There was a big park for our kids to play. I mean, bigger parks than I've seen anywhere in the Seattle area. It was really cool. And then they had a totem pole. I, I don't think it was a national forest, but it was a preserve that you could go and walk like two miles and see tons of unique totem poles. And it was absolutely perfect weather. It was great conditions. There was like a little museum you could pay for and check out. And then you could also, they had an area where you could walk down onto the rocks. Again, if you haven't grown up in the Pacific Northwest, seeing little tide pools or um, where the water comes up and then goes out and there's rocks that you can climb up big rocks or you flip over little rocks and you see little tiny crabs or crabs. you see- I knew you were going to say those little crabs. I love those. <laughs> Or, or you see jellyfish or you see little fish. And, and again, we're spoiled rotten because my kids do that on the weekly. And so they're used to flipping rocks over and catching crabs and, and seeing all the little sea life. But for somebody not from the area, it's like, wow, where else can you do this? This is amazing. You can do it in the Seattle area. Please don't move here. <laughs> you can't do it here. No, it's like really hard to find. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that area is so cool. And then when you come back to um, the bus hub, the other direction takes you to the little quaint, cute town 
of Sitka. They they do have some bars, but it's not a bar scene. We checked out a really cool small mom and pop coffee shop that was in the back of a bookstore, and they had great coffee. Uh, which again, Brian, Sam, and I know good coffee because we live in the coffee capital. Uh, what we think of is the coffee world, capital. basically. Yeah, there you go. But they had great coffee. They had cute little stores. There was a church um, that was like in the middle of where the the street wide, and so everybody was taking a picture. And it's like the cutest little city. You just it felt like uh, the Gilmore Girls TV show. It's just like this place is so adorable. I'm if it was sunny like this every day, everybody would want to live here. So Sitka was a blast through and through. Oh, awesome! That sounds really that sounds really nice. So and Sitka was smaller, you said, than Ketchikan, like the town part. And if I'm, I could be remembering incorrectly, but I believe they only have a couple of schools and a lot of kids go off site to go to schools. Uh, I could be remembering incorrectly. It was at Sitka or Juneau. Kids from smaller um, cities or towns surrounding that area would come in and they had a boarding school so they could stay there to get educated during the school year and then go back to their towns um, in the summer. So it was it was really cool to hear the differences of culture in Alaska and having so many small, isolated towns in the area. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Winding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. Well, let's talk about Juno. Uh, I assume Juno is probably the biggest city that you experienced and how, how was it? Yeah, so Juno is great. Um, that is another stop that you you're docked right by the city, and so I will say I I woke up and every day of the cruise I woke up and would run, and the running track on our ship was on the top deck, and it was uh, quite large. It was less than three laps for a mile, so that was really nice. I about stopped in my tracks when I saw the Disney Wonder in the distance, and I was just <laughs> like. I wonder what they're doing over there. It looks so nice. But anyway. <laughs> they're doing Disney Cruise Line trivia is what they're doing at any given moment. Maybe 80s music trivia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, at 5 a.m. in the morning. But anyway, so 
we went out and checked out that city and they have a really cool tram that goes up and down right by where our cruise ship docked. It's like a gondola kind of, but it's a tram. And then there's a, a, a lot of shopping and uh, bar areas. They have the Alaskan Brewing Company has like a kind of a pub area there. And so that was really cool to explore that. But the big thing in Juneau is the excursions and going and doing other things. And so we didn't book beforehand because we had heard that if you want to go to the Mendenhall Glacier, that you can just jump on a bus. And by bus, I mean pay to be on a bus that will take you out there and take you back. And it was $40 round trip for each person. So really not that bad. No, that's not bad at all. Yeah. So we checked out the city and then all of us went out to the Mendenhall Glacier. I heard somebody else recently on one of your shows talk about this, but the bus takes you there and then it is a national park. Um, There's a walking trail. I think it's about a mile, a little over a mile out and back. Very easy. Again, people covered in REI with hiking boots that are ready to take on Everest and you're walking on basically a paved road. But it was a really, really cool experience to see a freshwater lake with a glacier, the Mendenhall Glacier, coming down and basically looking like it's pouring into it. And then at the end of the hike, the walk that you take is a huge waterfall that's just raging. And it's it's a very beautiful, picturesque scene. And we were debating not going and visiting the Mendenhall Glacier. It turned out to be one of the highlights of our time. And so I would highly recommend it if you're going to go to Juneau. How did the kids do with that With that one? Was it, I mean, obviously I, I, it sounds like it's not much of a hike is more of a, you know, a walk, but it's still a longer walk, right? Were the kids able to keep up and do that one? Because I feel like that's, you know, that's kind of a classic thing. You want to see the glacier, you want to see the waterfall. Yeah. And that's where we brought a stroller for our daughter on the cruise ship, uh, specifically for going around the cities. And she does great in the stroller. We have like, if you guys, if you're a parent and you know strollers, we have a Bob at home and those are like one of the best off-road strollers. We brought our kind of dinky stroller and that thing did fine on that pathway. Yeah. The umbrella stroller, right? That's probably what you brought. I feel like that's just because it's so portable. That um, That's what people tend to bring on a cruise if you're going to bring a stroller. But yeah, it's not it's not the best for hikes, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. And our, our five-year-old, um, he could run a marathon on his own, basically. And so he loved it. There was big rock slabs right by the visitor center. Um, and that's almost right at the entry, which is really cool to check out because it's like two or three stories. You can take the elevator up or take the stairs, but there's some rock slabs. And so being from the area we live in, he instantly knew he could climb up there. And so he <laughs> just starts crawling, running up this rock slab. Being the parent I am, I, of course, want to join him. And man, every other kid in the area when and they saw me and my son running up that rock slab. They looked at their parents and then they just sprinted. And I heard moms frantically, no. <laughs> so Josh, while others were wearing their REI gear, it sounds like you may have been wearing your swimsuit. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit about your Mindenhall Glacier polar plunge, perhaps. Ooh, yeah. So it was about 63 degrees and sunny. And when you get to the end of the walking trail to the waterfall, because of how the water level was, you there was a little island and you could walk out to it, but you would get water about up to your knees. And so when we went, it was it was midday through the day. So there was probably 100, 150 people there. And only the brave were rolling up their REI pants or unzipping them or... Right. Zipping off the bottom piece, right? Because that's probably what they had, those fancy ones where you can zip off the yeah, bottom. Exact, <laughs> exactly. And taking their shoes off. My dad and I, being from the area, were wearing shorts. And so we each carried a kid. 
I put my daughter on my shoulders and my dad carried my son. And so we walked over to the island and that was even closer to where the, the waterfall was coming out. And I looked at it and I look at my dad and I was like, hey, dad, uh, can you watch the kids? I'm definitely going to jump in. This looks like fun. And my dad, <laughs> without hesitation, without hesitation, oh, absolutely. I'll take a video for you. I was like, thanks, dad. <laughs> And so I, I didn't bring my swimsuit. I just, you know, I have black boxers. I'm like, you know what? I've seen some people wearing way more scandalous stuff on the cruise ship. No one's going to think twice about this. <laughs> so I rip my clothes off and then jump in to, you know, slowly walk in to go in the water. And so my wife and my mom are on the little peninsula thing with like a hundred people. They're looking over and seeing what I'm doing. And they're just used to me shaking their head. And they hear some lady Oh my goodness, that boy's going to get hypothermia. I can't believe he's <laughs> swimming in the water. And somebody else is like, oh, what an idiot. Bless his heart. All of us are like, it's like 62 degrees. The water's fine. I'm going to drive in like, you know, 10 minutes. To us, it's like no big deal. But to other people, they thought they were witnessing somebody about to die. So, you know, it goes to show it's a very different climate than a lot of people are used to. And so, yeah, we just, we've laughed about that for a long time. Oh since. my God, I love that. Well, after Juno, you you hit Victoria, but you got there at five and I know sadly did not get off the ship. I, I will reiterate, I think Victoria is a great spot to see, but not at five o'clock at, at night for a few hours. So, so I want to shift gears here then away from the ports for just a second. And I think we got to talk about shows before we get to the star attraction of the show, which is the food. But shows josh how are the shows on board royal yes and i just i just i'm sorry but i feel like i should reiterate because you guys are making the point well but i just want to say if you're going on a cruise out of vancouver or seattle be sure to plan extra days before or after the cruise and i would encourage everybody spend a day in seattle spend a complete day in vancouver just to eat the food as brian and sam have made great podcasts on and spend a day on victoria it is one of the most picturesque pristine beautiful places to visit so do that. <laughs> PSA. <laughs> yeah, PSA. Thank you. Moving on to the shows. So unlike a different cruise line that has a lot of great intellectual properties and <laughs> lives in breeze telling good stories, I have figured out that most other cruise lines, or I would I I could argue some Las Vegas entertainment, but not all of it, is more of a spectacle or just trying to impress or wow you in small ways instead of telling a cohesive story. So on our cruise, there was entertainment every night. Uh, some of the entertainment was what you would expect on a seven night cruise. So there was a comedian, he had a family friendly set. And then another night he had a more uh, 18 and older set and he was really good. There was a juggler and he was really great. He had done a show in Las Vegas. That entertainment was good. But the main shows, and we saw this on our shorter cruise as well was like a variety show where they would have a live band or they would have some dancers or some singers. But the shows for the main shows that we saw, they didn't tell a story. It was like, here's a cool candy set and we're going to sing the song I Want Candy and have these background dancers in this live band. And I'm like, that's really cool. And then it's like, now we're going to sing a different song about uh, from the 50s and um, the stage is going to change and the lighting is going to change to be more 50s-esque. And I was like, oh, you know, those things don't go together. I guess they had candy in the 50s, but you know, and then it goes on to another thing and it just seemed to lack any sort of just connection and drawing to a point, which I, I realized like how much I missed that. But the crown jewel, the creme de la creme of performances on this cruise ship, the quantum class of Royal Caribbean, was in a separate space 
that was called 270. So this space is on the back of the ship and the the theater is on the front of the ship. So to put it in perspective, and this space is really, really cool and unique. It is like three stories. Below is a whole story that you don't see. Then you have the main floor and it goes down and there's like moving stage um, pieces. So big, huge uh, stage rounds or squares. And you can see that through however magic they do it, they can go up and down or they can be totally flat. And so it's really cool. And then above that, they have like eight big screens that are all connected to robot arms. And so it's just like car manufacturing robot arms. And they come together to make one big screen or they can like spread out and make other ones. And they have balcony seating up there. So the space itself is beautiful. It looks very well designed. They have huge like floor to ceiling two story windows to see the back of the ship during the day. And off that, they also, I know we're not talking about food yet, but they had a little small cafe that had some of the buffet options, but some additional options that you couldn't find anywhere else for free. And that was a beautiful space. So the space was great. But the one thing they told everybody, you got to go see the show. And it was called Star Water. And so... Oh, this I, is like, the, the water show, basically, right? No. So there, there's, there's no water. This is not the outdoor water show. That would be awesome because that is impressive, like diving off high things. No, no, no. This is an indoor enclosed space, and but the show is called Star Water. And so my wife's cousin had been on this cruise and said, oh yeah, Star Water, it was... It was really interesting. And that's all she said. <laughs> when the adjective is interesting, that's usually don't go see it. <laughs> that would be my take. <laughs> or maybe it is go see it, but go see it because it's like a train wreck, not go see yeah. it because oh, that's it's fair. good. That's fair. Well, let's hear from Josh what it was. <laughs> oh, God. oh goodness. So you could like get reservations and stuff. We didn't. We just showed up, you know, a half hour before again, rope drop style. We got great seats. Like some of the best seats probably you could get. The lights dim and they're like, welcome to the performance called Starwater. We spent over, and I want to say it was like $240 million to make this production. And it was it was either like 240 or 40 million. In both cases, many millions were made for this. And <laughs> they're like, this will be a spectacle unlike you've ever seen, where technology, stage lighting, performance all come together. And I look at my wife and I go, this is either going to be the coolest show we've ever seen, or this is going to be the biggest flop of our lives. <laughs> it was one of those two. And so the, the show... The show starts and these men and women come out in like dapper 40s looking very much like the Great Gatsby costumes and but with cameras. And so it's like they're walking around and it would be like strike a pose and it would stop and the lights would flash and everybody would freeze. And then like slight music would come and they'd start walking around and it was like very artsy interpretive dance, but no one had any idea what was going on. And I just kept thinking to myself, what does this have to do with stars or water or star water? Okay. <laughs> so they're doing this thing, strike a pose and they, it goes on for like 10 minutes. And it's like, it's like, I'm like, this must be a really big setup for a great show. And then out of nowhere, there's like projected on the back glass at like the ship glass is breaking and water is coming in. And then this like goddess looking woman comes out of nowhere and starts singing a song that has nothing to do with it. And I was like, what does this have to do with the fifties? And the whole time me and my wife and my sister and brother-in-law, we're all looking at each other like, what is going on right now? <laughs> 
And the singer, the singers were fine. Like they, they were, they were pretty good. There's only like three singers. The dancers were good. There's probably about eight dancers, but there was no connection to any of the movements or any of the songs or any of what was going on. And the singers would go away and then two dancers would come out. The scenes would change, but there was no rhyme or reason. I felt like, and I'm not exaggerating. There was no plot. There was no story. There was nothing. And, and I felt like a five-year-old was given a bucket with ideas and just started picking them out. And whatever they picked out, they put on the ground, said, let's do this. And and again, the the screen technology was 10 out of 10. The lighting was 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm a guy who's into production. The sound quality was 10 out of 10. The stages floating up and down and disappearing and people coming out of nowhere, 10 out of 10. But the show itself, the reason you're there is to be wowed or taken on a journey was zero. It was negative. It was the worst show experience I've ever had in my whole life. And at the end of it, I look at my wife and I go, that show may have cost however million dollars. That is the biggest waste of money they have ever spent in their whole lives. I mean, it was atrocious. And and genuinely, I would love to hear from somebody else who's maybe more refined or more elegant or smarter than me, explain to me what was happening because we all tried and all of us just came out like with a shrug like emoji, like what what did we just witness? So there you go. I wonder, I wonder if they even had a writer work on the show, right? Like, I feel like, you know, that's, gosh, that's, I'm, I'm kind of amazed because I, I understand like just putting on a variety show or something like that, but then call it sort of a variety show and just, you know, have different amazing, you know, singing and dancing numbers, but don't, I don't know, don't pretend it's going to be a story. Just call it a cabaret. That's what you do, you know? Yeah. And they just hype this thing up so big. I mean, they, they had it on two or three different days as like, this is the show you got to see. And and again, like the one main singer, like she was really good, but I, I want to compare her to, um, I heard you guys talk about like the, the woman who portrayed mother Gothel, or I think about seeing beauty and the beast and seeing uh, Mrs. Potts just being an astounding singer and just an astounding actress that this was nowhere near that caliber i mean it was it was again maybe i'm harping on it too much but it it made me long for a simple disney story that takes you on a journey and leaves you feeling like that was a introduction a takeoff and a landing and i just felt like the plane took off and crashed very badly it was it was bad well we got to talk food how was the food on board, main dining, all the other things? Like, how was the food? Yeah. If you, my wife was talking to me about this before I came to talk to you guys, because she was like, don't share your opinion as being the same as mine, because it's not. My wife thinks the Disney Cruise Line food is far and above the Royal Caribbean one. I felt like the Royal Caribbean main dining food was very good. It is, again, you're dealing with catering, mass amounts of people, so the quality can only get so high, kind of like when you go to a wedding. But I felt for the most part, the main dining food was very, very good and nothing I would complain about for the price of the cruise and the experience. The the buffets were in the same vein. And again, this was our first seven night cruise. And so going to the buffets for breakfast and lunch almost every day, you do get kind of tired of it and that you're, you get used to the things you like or don't like, or you, you try the new options. But again, everything was adequate. They didn't have, the one thing they didn't have in the buffets is like the fresh seafood of like Disney does with the uh, shrimp and the, um, 
I was going to say lobster claws, but they don't have those. They have no crab. Yeah. Crab. Thank you. So, so they didn't have those options, but overall I felt like the food quality was pretty good. The one thing that really stood out to us and it was so good to hear. And this is why I love podcasts, especially your guys's was the first night felt like a bit of a scramble. Now we did have a table of eight, but it felt like they were just trying to get their sea legs underneath them. And we found out, I think day two or three that our assistant waiter, it was his second week on the cruise. Just like you guys have heard, I think there's a shortage on all the cruise lines of good employees. Now he he turned out to be very good. Y- you still have to figure everything out, right? But our our main waiter and assistant waiter so great. And again, I try to connect with everyone. Me and Brian and I even talked had a show about that, and we had such a good connection. And they, I always I always ask, where do you work in the morning? And they would tell me, hey, I'm in the Windjammer. That's like Disney's Cabanas. I'd say, okay, I'm going to find you. And so not only did we find them, but when I told them we were going to be there the next day, um, the first night, our kids got a fruit cup and they bring the kids stuff out early. They very much like Disney. They bring the kids stuff out early. They get them whatever they want. They treat the kids so well, which was so cute to see. But we asked for some more grapes the first night because our kids just love grapes. And the next morning, out of nowhere, our assistant waiter shows up with two huge bowls full of grapes for our kids (laughs) at the buffet, which I'm like, at breakfast. And then every breakfast from then on out, they would go out of their way to bring our kids grapes. My daughter discovered the two-year-old on day four, she'd never had Jello before. And she's like, Jello is this amazing thing. And our waiter saw that she liked Jello at lunch. And then that evening brought her colored Jello from the buffets in order. And then every night after that, always brought her Jello so she could have what she loved. And that that is the service that I saw in Royal Caribbean on our Caribbean cruise that I had only heard about coming from Disney Cruise Line. And I was pleasantly surprised by. And to see that again repeated shows me, and this is this is what I take from it, and you guys can agree or disagree, shows me Royal Caribbean has been hearing about how Disney blows uh, their guests away and just goes above and beyond. And they're trying their best to be be similar. And again, in all the staff I interacted with, I'm a very extroverted, bubbly, I can make anybody smile or have a good time. And so I usually have good interactions. I think Disney is better at that than Royal Caribbean, but I really think Royal Caribbean is nearing the guest experience from their employee standpoint um, in all my interactions. Well, Joss, anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to be sure to highlight about your cruise with uh, with Royal Caribbean before I subject you to Sam's rapid fire round? Uh, Sam making up the rules as she goes. Uh, last thing, last thing I want to make sure that everyone hears about is the adults only area. So they in the in the back of the pool deck, they had an adults only solarium. So it was indoors. They had the indoor pool, and then behind that, they had a huge indoor area. And this has multiple levels of smaller pools and then quite large jacuzzis with padded chairs and little like covered, I would say like big padded couches and spots to lay down. They had a bar there. And then on the walkway to it, because it's kind of in the back. So you have to kind of go on the left or right side until you get to the center of the back of the ship. They have like tables to play games and little loungers to read. That area was spectacular. And then along with that, they had in that solarium area, 
the 18 and older, they would serve lunch or breakfast kind of buffet style in a separate area. And those separate areas, there was a couple around the ship were just so nice because they weren't packed. The staff can be more attentive. They have some unique items, whether it be uh, breakfast sandwiches or breakfast burritos or different pastries or kind of like Cove Cafe, you could get your lattes or mochas. But man, the cascading little pools and the jacuzzis and the padded loungers, it was, again, felt very similar to the quiet cove areas of a Disney ship, and but on a much grander scale and more elegant. So that was quite delightful on our ship. Well, Josh, with that, I think we've reached that point in our show where Sam applies arbitrary rules against arbitrary questions or what we like to call rapid fire. So Sam, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So we're going to go back and do another versus here. I know we did a versus already, but I kind of want to see if anything's changed because you had a different experience, I would say, on Royal than you had had uh, in your last Caribbean cruise or your two Caribbean cruises where you pitted head to head Disney a four night and a Royal three night. But I want to see if anything's changed in the in the rankings. Anything's changed in, in who's doing it better because now you have a little bit more Royal experience. All right. Uh, who's your favorite Disney or Pixar character, Josh? Oh, man, there's there's so many to choose from. But how could you go wrong with Pascal from Tangled? That guy is just a hoot and a holler. Also, I just love Wally. Wally's the man. All right. Well, you've just won rapid fire. Congratulations. This is the end of the show. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> These are two great answers. Uh, Pascal is awesome. I'm going to warn you, Pascal is not in the Tangled stage show on the magic. So <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make do. All right. Favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Uh, man, it's so hard because I've watched so many with my kids as of late. I could probably watch Cars a hundred times in a row. So I'll go with Cars. All right. What is your favorite Disney song? Uh, that I, I've thought about this long and hard. And again, I've heard Life is a Highway a thousand times. I could hear it a thousand more. Life is a Highway. I I want to drive it, right? I want right. to ride it. All night long, especially if Rascal Flatts is singing it. Okay. So now we're going to go to some versus questions. Onboard activities. Who's doing it better, Royal or Disney? I think Royal is doing the onboard activities better as far as the tangible physical experience that you can do. But Disney does the trivias and sit down um, competition camaraderies better. Okay, fair. I like that. All right. Who's doing service better? Disney always is going to eke out for a win. But again, uh, I would say if Disney gets an A+, Royal gets an A. They're doing really good. Oh, all right. Okay. But this is like the question that I, I really think there's only way that one way that this could go. And so if it doesn't go the way <laughs> that it needs to go, Josh, then we won't actually have you back to talk about no, the October. No pressure, Josh. No, Zero no. pressure. Just, just deep threats in this uh, yes, rapid fire. Exactly. You know, who's doing it better entertainment? Absolutely. Star Water on Royal Caribbean is the best <laughs> show I've ever seen. Uh, Disney wins uh, in droves. Royal Caribbean gets a D minus and Disney gets an A plus. It's so good on Disney. All right. And then this is probably the most controversial question. Maybe it'll be different between your, yourself and your wife. But who do you give the edge to on food? I am going to give main dining and buffet edge to Disney. 
and specialty dining, we quite enjoyed our Apollo dinner, but I would give the specialty dining edge to Royal Caribbean because of the options, even though we didn't have them. Um, I've heard nothing but rave things about the options and quality there. Okay. Now uh, we're going to get some favorites from you. I want to know, what is your favorite cruise ship stage show? Oh, Beauty and the Beast, hands down. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't answer Beauty and the Beast, you might have to not also come back on the show. So that's good. (laughs) Will you stop threatening the guest with expulsion from the show? Uh, Josh, don't worry. I do all the scheduling. You're welcome back anytime, buddy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sam knows she can get away with it with me. So it's okay. Exactly. All right. What was the your favorite food? Let's do savory food item. And let's do from all of these cruises, from all three cruises. My favorite savory food item is an easy one, actually. It's Royal Caribbean, and it is their escargot. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I've never, I never had it before my Royal Caribbean cruise, and I had it on the Disney ship. And the Disney ship was just not good comparatively. The Royal Caribbean escargot has a layer of Parmesan cheese. It used to come with like a special little uh, breadstick. I'm I'm getting hungry and salivating. I definitely had two at every seating of our dinner. So it has to be the escargot. Oh my God. Did you have it on this Alaska cruise as well? Oh, every, every night. And oh, every I, and night. It became okay. a joke and it was the with same. my waiter. Yeah. It became a joke with my waiter and he's like, uh, Mr. Josh, what would you like besides escargot? I was like, you got me, man. You got me. <laughs> All right. Favorite sweet food item? That That's tough. I didn't love the desserts. Uh, I don't love the buffet desserts in general. Goodness, you can't go wrong with a simple ice cream sundae. And so I'd probably give the edge to Disney. Call me a simpleton, but their, their ice cream sundaes at the end of dinners are great. I love, I love their sundaes. I love them. All right. I would love to know what your favorite port was. I'm going to guess it's going to be one in Alaska over one in the Caribbean, but curious to hear what your favorite port was across all three cruises you've been on. I mean, I'm offended that you would think I wouldn't choose Castaway Key because that is heaven (laughs) on earth. So Castaway Key, 10 times over. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I don't know. Some people think Alaska is the way to go. You know, just I guess it depends if you want a beach day or you want to, you know, an adventurous hike or something. So yeah, that's great. If this was my show and someone didn't say Castaway Key, I wouldn't invite them back. So I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay. Now of all three of these cruises overall, which one was the best? No question. Disney's always going to win. And and again, I think the fair question is for the price. And I think a Disney cruise that you find at a, a, a fair deal is always going to win out. So I'll say the dream. Okay. So where are you going next? Obviously, you've got this other, well, you've got this other cruise you said booked on uh, on Disney. Which, which ship and when is that? Yeah. End of October, we're doing a four night out of San Diego on the Wonder. I Before I went on any of the Disney ships, and Brian, you probably swayed me in this. I, I already know the Wonder is going to be my favorite ship because it's smaller and it's a little newer than the Magic. So we're going on the Wonder. I already know it's going to be my favorite. And um, we're doing the Ensenada and Catalina Island. So yeah, I'm so super excited. And we're going to stay in San Diego the night before. It's going to be a great trip. Oh, that sounds amazing. I am so excited. And is it a Halloween on the high seas cruise as well? Yeah. And our last Disney cruise one was as well. And so that's going to be fun too. Well, now you're going to get the kids all dressed up though too. Oh, we're not bringing the kids, Sam. We're enjoying this one. (laughs) Parents only. 
You oh even better. This is like this is gonna be a mic drop, Josh. This is gonna be you're gonna love it. Oh, I'm so I, excited. I saw I saw from Josh's pre-show notes that he was apprehensive about trying the truffle presets, but is excited to try. Josh, what are you excited to try? We're going to Palo Brunch, and you better believe we're gonna get the chicken parmesan and the lasagna because <laughs> yes. my two favorite podcasters swear by them. <laughs> well, Josh, as always, we really, really appreciate you coming on despite uh, Sam's threats and uh, coercions. We we truly, truly love having you on as a guest, and we got to get time set up with you. We want to hear what you think about the wonder after you sail on her in October. So can't wait to have you back soon. And just thank you so much for coming on. You have a YouTube channel. Uh, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity for you to plug that out to our listeners for folks out there who might be into mountain biking. So Josh, you want to plug your YouTube channel? Yes. If you enjoy mountain biking or um, certain random videos that I make, check out Daily Mountain Bike Rider on YouTube. You can find me there and see what I look like and all the goofiness transfers over. It'll be great. <laughs> awesome. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voicemail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402 413 that's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.